Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle on my podcast house. Welshie here. I'm joined by Lyle in the studio. Lyle, how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. A uh, bit strange you're doing the intro, mate. Where's, uh, where's every, the old mate? Every second week I end up doing the intro. Yeah, what's he doing? Old mate's not here. Yeah, I don't know, mate. How many car races is he going to call instead of coming to the podcast? We're here at his preferred time as well. Yeah, we've gone in early, a day early as well. He likes Tuesdays. I don't like Tuesdays. Yeah, I don't. Like, you can't watch Raw, which, you know, we're all watching. <laughs> Bizarrely, that was the music of Doink the Clown bringing us in. Well, yeah. And uh, we just hit a 1,000 likes on Facebook. Yeah, thank you, everyone out there. It's a nice little achievement in just over over a year. So, yeah, really appreciate it. So if you want to support us, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this. Leave a review, if it's five stars especially. Review us on, I think you can review us on um, Facebook as well. Yeah, nice. yeah, you can leave a, leave a nice review But uh, thanks for the support. We really appreciate it. Uh, Tony, lazy bastard, doesn't even come into the studio though. Yeah. Did he text us to say... Congratulations, or hey, let everyone know on the podcast. He messaged Thanks. me that he to say he'd be here at the time we finished, so I'm quickly just recording this before he gets yeah, here. Yeah, clever. I like that. Um, we had a good show last week, I thought. Oh, amazing I'm show. I'm biased, but... Yeah. No, no, you, you know, that's, that's, that's totally fine. We had a great guest, Robbie Eagles, obviously, fresh off the best of the Super Juniors, and, you know, a couple of weeks' time, he's going to be having a big match in... Uh, uh, what's it called? Is that Festival Hall. Festival Hall is the, yeah. the place. How can I forget? So, yeah, it was really good. The feedback's been great. And he's so easy to talk to wrestling to about. You could For hours, you could easily listen to him talk wrestling. And we've got a big show planned for today. We've got a couple of interviews. Yeah. Yeah, we've been... Um, yeah, a bit of a New Japan Farley Dojo feel to this episode. Yeah, it come, it come together, the, together nicely. Yeah. <laughs> it come together nicely, so we thought we'd put put both interviews together and get you, yeah, like you said, the Farley Dojo experience. You know, we've got the, the Philippe's. Yeah, we're going to start off with the Philippe's, um, and then uh, so, and then we've got Bad Luck Farley and Gino Gambino from the Bullet Club after that. Um, but first, we're going to throw to Tome and Stevie Philippe, the Natural Classics. We are lucky enough to sit down with them a couple of weeks ago backstage at the MCW show. So thank you so much to MCW for sorting that out. And this is The Natural Classics. On the turnbuckle, live at MCW, and we're catching up with uh, the Philippe brothers, Stevie and Tone. Boys, first of all, congratulations on what the future holds for you. It sounds so exciting. Yes, it is very exciting. Um, and thank you for having us on, on the show. Um, we yeah, are both excited for... The next chapter. Um, 
I guess we'll start with the step before it, which was the Farley Dojo. How was the experience of being um, training every day for three months uh, in a, a dedicated wrestling environment? Uh, training at the uh, Farley Dojo was extremely difficult. Um, we had vigorous training every single day, six days a week, three months straight. Um, in that time, we learned a lot of new techniques in professional wrestling. Um, and that's, we are definitely going to show tonight what we learned. Not only that, but um, <clears throat> we were just mentally tested because um, that's a real big important thing in Japan um, because uh, before you, like, because we're pretty much scrapped to like completely from the start. So um, forget, we had to forget everything that we've learned in the past and we had to start from scratch. Um, and you know how Japan's very tough and how they're known for strong style. Um, it was that. Uh, the training was strong <laughs> and we really felt it. What, what, was the, what was tougher? Was the physical side or the mental side, being away from home and family and loved ones? You can say so it was long? more like a mental thing. Um, yeah, it was hard being away from family and loved ones, but um, we knew what we were getting, to, getting into, um, not just um, for that, but also in wrestling in general. Um, we, we knew that. Um, we were going to be away from family at some point if we got further on. Um, but the training itself, yeah, it was it was a mental it was mental mentally tough, in a sense of um, because like physically we're fine, like we can push ourselves to crazy limits. Um, we do already at the gym. Um, we yeah we, we're really physical and active. Um, but at at training, um, it was like we, we were pushed to a point where we knew we failed, but it was up to our minds. It was up to us to push past that. Even though we couldn't squat anymore after like thousands, we are mentally switched on and got, no, nah, we're going to keep going no matter what. And with, um, we interviewed Michael Craven and we were talking about uh, looking at the Australian talent and he said, I want the brothers, I want the brothers. You know, hearing something like that, is that just exciting uh, news? Of course it's exciting news. We've worked our whole entire lives for this very moment. Um, to be a part of this company um, and going through the Philo Dojo have, has honestly taught us many ways um, to be better in the future not only in the present um, yeah. that's exactly right and hearing it from someone like Michael Craven um, who is the general manager of New Japan um, it was exciting you mentioned having to rewire your thinking on wrestling being at the Philo Dojo and, and the way you went about your training and the like did you realise, uh, and, and we talk about how good wrestling and training over here in Australia is, did you, is there much of a difference between what you experienced over at the Farlow Dojo and what we're doing over here? Is there a, a big gap or are we, we um, pretty much there? It, it, it's different. So um, quite similar but very different because um, with Japan they push you to a point where you um, are kind of like um, you, you're completely exhausted and you rely on instinct to... Um, push yourself through um it's kind of you get pushed hard here in australia for the training schools that i've trained in but um at follow dojo it was like a different level um they didn't care about flips and up the top rope things because that, that they believe it comes later on um you start off by um training the the absolute basics and don't get me wrong mcw and other training schools focus on basics because with, without the basics um you can't do anything else but um uh, Fale Dojo and the way New Japan do it is um, 
it's just slightly different. It's a little bit more tough because um, um, if, if you if, if they don't um, if you can't keep up, then the door's there and you just walk out. So, but here it's different. So you guys started at PCW's training academy, and then you've gone to MCW, Farley Dojo, and now you're heading over to Japan to train. Do you have a message for Australian wrestlers about you know progressing through their training and hearing different voices to, to grow? Yeah. Um, well, we not only train here in Australia, or not, not, not only have uh, grown up here, but we also train ourselves outside of training. So my message to everyone else is to push themselves in the gym, find a diet that works for them by trial and error, um, and you know, just do everything they can to be seen by other people um, or be seen by the higher-ups. That's what essentially we've done. Um, and my like philosophy is if you think you're working hard, there is someone out there in the world that's working 10 times harder than you. So whatever you have the opportunity to train, just train at your 100% best. Now, with uh, three months is a long time to be away. I know a lot of uh, wrestlers, when they, they're off TV and stuff like that, they can feel that other fans are going to forget them. Obviously, when you're coming back last month to MCW, the fans didn't forget. What was that feeling like? Do you get that? reception straight away when you just walked through the curtain. That was, that was the loudest pop I've probably heard at the Thornbury Theatre. How, how, how did that make you guys feel? The most incredible feeling in my, entire, in, in my entire life, honestly. People having a standing ovation and having the emotion drawn from the crowd, it would be a long time to happen again. Maybe, maybe not. Um, to, <laughs> so tonight we're planning to take the MCW Tag Team Championships away from the Brat Pack. Um, and they are loved by the fans. But um, see if fans will like it when we take it off them. Boys, you went over to America, I think it was last year, and worked for Joey Ryan in, in Northern California. The opportunity to work for Japan wrestling, New Japan Wrestling as your, your probably first massive professional gig, did you think that America would come first before Japan, or was this or was sort of in the, in the works? Um. We put ourselves out there, so we, we wanted to kind of get experience from everywhere else, whether we were um, um, working in America, Australia, or Japan. Um, we just wanted to um, show ourselves more, so we did go to America. I, I went twice. I, I worked in um, Zello Pro in Chicago the first time. That was my first ever booking there. Um, and then the second time, we wrestled together at Bar Wrestling through Joey Ryan, um, which was a great experience. Um, and we also went to Reality Wrestling, Booker T's um, place, and that, that was great. We had some good TV exposure there. Um, <clears throat> and we also wrestled at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, um, Dave Marquez. That, that was a good experience too. Um, yeah, so we, we, we've just put ourselves out there hoping someone would see us. And in this situation, um, it's, it's funny because someone saw us in Melbourne. Um, they knew of us in America and stuff, but um, they saw us here and there was an opportunity at tryouts and we went to two tryouts. So the first one was in for New Japan, the second one was for Fale Dojo, um, both under New Japan banner. Um, and you came back from the Fale Dojo. I've got to say, you both look a lot bigger than when you left. Was there a change in diet while you were over there as well? Yeah, we kind of followed our diet but we also knew that because we were training so hard um to a crazy level that we could pretty much eat whatever we wanted to so um it's kind of different now since we've come back we've had to kind of like 
ease up on the McDonald's and, and all the fast foods, even though I still kind of like binge out on them a little bit. But um, it, it's good how since like before we went to Fala Deja, we knew our bodies, we knew what would um, work, what wouldn't work with, with dieting and stuff. So we've managed to like ease back into it how it used to be. But um, it kind of opened our eyes up that, yeah, we could eat more. So we're eating a little bit more and we are training harder and lifting heavier. So um, yeah, hearing it from you guys saying that we are bigger. Thank you. <laughs> well, I noticed just from your Instagrams, you're eating a lot of uh, fillet of fish while you're away and stuff like that. Um, in touching on that stuff, what, what's the ultimate cheat meal after you've had a hard week of uh, training and you just got to let the hair down? What's the ultimate cheat meal? Well, honestly, anything I can get my hands on. Um, so, obviously, pizza, um, like a large uh, pepperoni. That's what I love. Um, and then immediately after that, I'll have like a double quarter pounder meal from McDonald's. Um, and then go to Daniel's Donuts and have a six-pack of uh, And that's all in a space of an hour. Pretty much the same thing for me. Um, yeah, I love, I love donuts so much. Um, a fillet of fish from McDonald's is... You, you can't go wrong with that. Like, a Big Mac would be nice too. But um, I also love going out with um, Indy, my partner. We go to um, Japanese restaurants. And last night, for example, we went to a buffet. We stuffed our faces. So in preparation for tonight. <laughs> Nice. She said on uh, on social media she has to wrestle in a t-shirt tonight because of it. <laughs> yeah, she ate a lot. She, I think she ate more than me, surprisingly. She eats a lot of food. Guys, <laughs> obviously you, you, you've you been in your wrestling career together from, from day one and you sort of started at a similar time. I think there was about eight or nine months between each other starting and the like. Do you come as a package? When New Japan Wrestling or someone comes to you and they say, we want you, do you say it's both of us or not? It, would it have been sad if one of you got the opportunity but not the other? Um, it probably wouldn't have been sad because we know we are very different um, when we are wrestling singly. Um, Stevie does more high-flying. I stay more ground-based. Um, I'm a bit of more of a character. But when we tag together, it's, it's kind of like two styles mixing together. And he touches on some of my stuff and I touch on some of his, his stuff. Um, and it always works out. I don't know how, no idea, but it just works out because we are brothers. Um, it's probably the answer, obviously, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it, Stevie? Yeah, um, being brothers, we know our own um, our flaws and whatnot. So if I see him in the ring struggling, I'll know when to jump in and help him out, or and vice versa. And how, how is it when you're in the you're in the dojo or you're in the gym back home here? You get competitive against each other. How far does the competitive? I've got a younger brother. I know we're pretty competitive. Exactly. How, how, how does it? And how's it going to go in New Japan? Um, in the gym, <clears throat> I'm a bit gifted lifting heavier weights. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am the younger one, so um, whether it's squats, bench press, whatever you whatever you name it, I'm always the one that's stronger. Um, it might be mentally, or it might be just physically. I just want to beat him. Anything I do, so. But time, you're obviously better at um, other things. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, he is stronger. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know how he's just got this crazy strength for him. Um, like, I'll lift up, just say I'll bench 100 kilos, and I'll do like six reps. I'll be like, oh my god, Stevie, I just did this. And then the week after, he'll do like 12 reps, or he'd be lifting 110 or 120 kilos. I'm like, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? I don't know. That's why he is called the natural. Um, for a reason, I guess, because everything really comes quick to Stevie. Like, he picks up, moves in the ring, um, lift, lifting at the gym, or whatever it may be. But in saying that, um, 
we, we aren't, we're not competitive, but he knows that I started wrestling first, and if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't have been wrestling. So um, that's how we see it. So <laughs> yeah, and I help him out with a lot of other things too, um, whether it be his gear, or merch, or but um, like with with um, my computer skills. Um, but he's got some great ideas as well. He is is a good brother for sure. We, we are real close. Yeah, it's something that we definitely we've noticed is uh, you do you work a completely different style, and one of you's been babyface, while the other one's been heel for most of your careers. Um, but then when you're together, there's a sort of magic where your double team moves and things they seem to come really naturally to both of you. Um, yeah, and what are your thoughts like long term? Do you feel like tag team is the best way that you guys can make a, an immediate impact wherever you go? Honestly, the best way for us right now in this situation, um, tag team is, is the best, op- like best opportunity. Um, sticking together as well. Um, just say if someone gets picked up somewhere and someone goes another place, it's not the end of the world. But we know for a fact that when we are together, um, we do bring that magic to the table. Um, and if we are cemented in a promotion, um, if it may be that we have to split up for whatever reason, it is what it is. But hey, we know that when we tag together, it, it's, it's special. It's something different. So um, this is, that's our goal right now. We want to be the best tag team. That, that's our goal. Now, I know you come from a European background. So how's mum coping with all this, losing her boys to Japan? Um, she, at the start, because we grew up playing soccer. So we played for many years. Stevie played for a couple more years than I did. He played for four now, played for 12. Um, I moved on to cricket. Stevie played cricket as well for the last couple of years, which is strange as Europeans. It's, it's, like a, it's weird to see a European play cricket, but we, we played towards the end. And then um, I knew all along I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I knew Stevie wanted to be a pro wrestler as well um, because we always watched wrestling as kids. I grew up watching it with, or we both did, um, at our grandparents' house because she had Foxtel. Um, and she's still into it to this day, so she'll flick it on here and there and watch Monday Your Night Raw. Your grandmother is into Oh, yeah, she loves Monday Fantastic. Night Raw. Yeah. It's funny because um, Chris Jericho and his grandmother used to watch wrestling together, um, and she loves Chris Jericho, which is real funny. But, um, yeah, we, um, we watched it from kids, and we knew when we got to that age of 18, um, we were going to be pro wrestlers. So we signed up to a school, and we told our parents, we're going to go. We're going to get our license, and we're going to go, and we did. Um, and yeah, so I started first and then when Stevie turned 18, he, he joined up as well. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. But yeah, I, I think, I think mum's right. She's happy. She supports us 100% and Excellent. same as dad. They, they both support us, so, which is good. What's the, uh, I know you, you want to be known as the greatest uh, tag team in Australia. You're here for another, the world. Uh, the world. <laughs> yeah, short term goals I'm talking. Correct. Um, What's your goals for the next three months before you do leave? What, what are your other goals? What's the aspirations? Well, um, we want to be... Yeah, we want to take every opportunity that comes at us. So if other promotions want to um, have the Natural Classics slash Philippe Brothers on their show, then we are open to it. Um, so they can hit us up online. But um, we yeah, just want to make the most of our time here in Australia giving everything we've got. Tonight we want to become the MCW Tag Team Champions. Um, soon we have another opportunity coming up to wrestle the um, Lucha Brothers. So that will be exciting. Um, and other things hidden for now. <laughs> now we're almost about to get the wind-up. I can see yeah. Ray through the window. But um, I want to have you guys ever been to Japan before as tourists or anything like that? Never been. Never been. Um, only been to um, America and Thailand. Cool. 
That's true. But um, at Fale Dojo, we were taught um, a lot about Japan. So it does interest us. Um, number one being the food. I really like the food. <laughs> um, and the people seem to be very, very, yeah, very respectful because there's a lot of, um, like, the Japanese we've found um, from people that have been there and that live there and work there. Um, they, they love their rules um, and their hierarchy, and we find it pretty interesting. Um, and we can't wait to get, you know, there and do that. <laughs> You're going to be giants. Yeah, the people in the streets, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, we, we will be giants. How appreciative of you blokes to guys like Gino Gambino and Robbie Eagles and that for the way that they've opened up the doors to New Japan Wrestling and given a, a major opportunity for Australian wrestlers? Yeah, I've got, uh, we've both got nothing but respect for Robbie Eagles and Gino. Uh, both of them have opened the doors up now with Gino being a commentator um, and also wrestler and he's a member of the Bullet Club, same as Robbie Eagles. Um, we both look up to him, uh, Robbie Eagles, because we both wrestled him a few times. Um, Steve, you have, yeah? Yes, I have. Um, they have opened up the doors, but it's what you do to get into the company, um, working your ass off, training in the gym, working in the ring, um, getting, taking as many opportunities as you can in the ring um, to get experience, um, and that's what will get you there. Yeah, I think we should leave it at that. Last we one. are getting the one. Yeah, I'd... How's your Boston Crab? I think you're going to have to be using it very early on in your New Japan career. As, as a young lion, that's what they do, yeah, don't they? It. Yeah, it's a, it's a Boston crab. It's a high crab. spat. That's a high spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a big thing. And it, it's true. It is big if you think about it. Like Chris Jericho did it. Um, and a lot of other wrestlers have done it. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the next few months. Um, who knows? We might have to do a, something even more special. We'll see. <laughs> a final one from me. And when I, when I interview, I like... Pulling at the heartstrings. Leaving your girlfriend and not seeing her for two or three months off because Indy will stay here in, in Australia and um, do her thing? Yeah, so us being away, because she started wrestling obviously after I did, um, but I, I, I've been there from the start um, with, with her and we both understand that we've, like, we've agreed that we're going to be wrestlers and there is going to be times that we're going to be away from each other a lot, um, whether it be two weeks, three months, six months, even a year. It doesn't matter. Um, we're both, we both support each other, and that, that's the main thing. So, The yeah. world's very small, mate, when yeah. there's a plan that can get you there in a few hours' time. So. That's exactly right. The, the world is very small. So, exactly. um, she's, getting, she's getting booked all over the place. So Correct. Yeah, she is absolutely killing it at the moment. I'm so proud of her. Stevie Tone, we are so proud of you guys and what you are about to go and embark on and the achievements that you've made so far. Let's hope you can add a tag team championship to, uh, to that tonight here at MCW. And uh, we look forward to having a chat to you down the track after you've had that time in Japan, seeing how it's all going. Thank you for having us, guys. Really appreciate the time. Um, and hopefully we can show everyone what we've got and um, let's win the MCW tag team champions tonight, Stevie. Shall we? Stevie and Tony Philippe right here on the turnbuckle. The other boss. Welcome back to On the Turnbuckle. That was the music, of course, of Mr. Bad Luck Farley. And that was a good little chat with the Philippes before they won the titles. Yeah, so, you know, our run of good luck. Obviously, you come on the podcast and then good things happen. So, yeah, they were really good 
really good backstage, you know. A bit nervous at the start, but I think they came into their own. And how sense big of, are they? they they're 10 big. kilos at least bigger? They're, they've put on a bit of weight yeah. uh, in all the right places. They've got muscles in places that I don't even have places. Yeah, that's for sure. So, yeah, they talk about you know their calorie intake had to go up just to get through the training. And uh, there's a bit of a sibling rivalry, I find, with yeah, Taylor, little, which is nice to see. Yeah, Stevie gave a little bit back there. I like that. Anyway, so we've got another interview for you. This one, we were, thanks to New Japan Pro Wrestling and Farley Dojo, we were lucky enough to meet with... Mr. A close personal friend of mine, uh, Gino Gambino, and a close personal friend of his, Bad Luck Farley. And it's fair to say I, well, we may have had a couple of beers while we were interviewing. No, 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 don't say we. You you did. You, you did. And well, I only had four b- points. By, by the way, did we not get looked after by the Belgian beer cafe? The beer, they, Belgian beer cafe. They really looked after us. And Joel Bateman. Yeah, and Hawko, obviously. So Yeah, and yep. Owen was there as yep. well. So thanks to... To all the guys for looking after us, and hope you enjoy the chat. Welcome to On the Turnbuckle. We are in the in a pub, pub, the Belgian Beer Cafe. We are here drinking butter, Mm. and uh, like to introduce. You're drinking water. I'm drinking water. Majority of the table is drinking butter. It was good butter. Clarified. Yeah. You got to let me introduce you. Ah, sorry. (laughs) That was the voice of uh, Gino Gambino. How are you going, mate? Quite well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your wonderful podcast. Now, I wasn't being sarcastic <laughs> at all. I was waiting for the butt. <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, am I still the number one rated on your show? Yes. Wow. Yes. Most downloaded podcast wow. on their show, so eight people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's unfair. Yeah, that's... You got to talk into the mic. Go. And besides, introduce, introduce the main guest. These guys just the hang on. Hang on. And right beside Gino, we have uh, Bad Luck Farlow. How are you going, mate? Hey, good, mate. Good. Mate. Good. Enjoying your lunch? Yeah. Good muscles. <laughs> that was good butter. <laughs> now, first things first. Congratulations on the tour last year, and obviously it went well enough to come back again. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see how this one goes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the initial idea when it came to, you know, in your head to bring the New Japan talent over? You've seen there's a, enough fans here to uh, run shows? Uh, you know, being for New Japan training and becoming a wrestler and getting to the stage where I was... Um, made me want to bring it back to the territory and uh, we talked about it before Australia and New Zealand used to be a huge territory and we want to bring it back to where it was so that's what we want to do is want to build it again and uh, bringing New Japan to Australia and New Zealand is going to help it's something we spoke about um, I probably we've probably told this story a thousand times but we um, caught up a few years ago over a cup of coffee and planned out this plan, I don't even know. We pretty much wrote it down on a napkin of, you know, what we thought we wanted to do. And, you know, three, four years later, we're here now and pretty much it's all come true. So yeah. it was a lot of hard work. There was a lot of steps along the way. We really had to prove that there was a market here for New Japan. That was difficult because um, it's something we, we've spoken about in the past, but cost alone to run a sh- international show here... I mean, you'd be shocked. Like, 
you'd be shocked if sometimes you know ticket prices cover the visas, let alone flights, hotels, buses, you know, all that stuff. So we're hoping fans do appreciate that we are going out on a bit of a limb here to get this sort of rolling and that we're at the foundation stage of of wrestling in this country again. The main thing is uh, people saw the first... The first tour was more of a, let's see what's going to happen, but this tour is full storyline. Like, Robbie's Eagles has a title match yeah. at this show. It's getting going to be live on Fight TV. Yep. Um, what message have you got to, the, to some of the more cynical fans who... St- don't realise how important these shows are. Now, Fala, you can't swear here. Okay? You can. <laughs> you stopped me just in time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we we do want to bring the authenticity of New Japan to Australia. And it feels like people don't really see it right now. But I guarantee you, if you don't come to these shows, you're going to miss out. Yeah. So we're bringing the actual referees and more big names like Tanashi's never been here before so first time ever title match too yeah so if, you, if you're not going to be there you're going to miss out like the IWGP junior heavyweight title not only being defended in Australia but being competed for by an Australian like if there's something and I'm sure you guys as fans have probably heard and seen it enough that everyone goes oh Aussies never get a chance oh, we ne- here's the chance and yet we're complaining about it. Like, this is a huge opportunity for Robbie Eagles, the Bullet Club, and Australian wrestling fans. Look, there was another company that did a show here last year mm-hmm. where an Australian won mm-hmm. a, effectively the WWE version of the light heavyweight title. But that title's far less respected than the one that Robbie Eagles is fighting for at Festival Hall Yeah, um, in a more intimate setting. Um, I'd hate to not be there if Robbie gets the win. But exactly. But it's just everything about this show. We really, um, we really listened last year. We really took, yeah. uh, uh, like, you know, people like, oh, we wanted to see the New Japan ring, so we, we made sure it was coming. Oh, we wanted to see Red Shoes. We made sure he's coming. Like, for some reason, Red Shoes is getting more <laughs> hyped than Tanahashi at this stage. I told him on the last time, I'm like, you know, you're more popular than Tanahashi. He's like, really? He was excited. So um, it's a big deal. And, like, we, we're literally trying to – look, we can't please everybody. We're never going to. Um, but we really hope fans turn out and understand that this is the start of something big. Well, you're even bringing out the turnbuckles. The tur- oh, that, no, that was the biggest stick. That's the big. That was last year's biggest complaint. Oh, you guys didn't bring the turnbuckles. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Well, here's the whole ring. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> now, talk about Australian wrestling history. How important was it to run Festival Hall, not only last year but this year as well, especially for Melbourne fans like us? How important was that to keep wrestling in that venue? Yeah. Well. Uh Apparently it was going to be torn down, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So there was. Yeah. So what pretty much happened is we secured that venue last year because we thought it might be torn down. That was the rumor at the stage. So we really wanted to get in there because it was important for us to stamp that wrestling was back in this country. And Festival Hall is, you know, the Corican Hall, the York Hall, the MSG of Australian wrestling. Um, only second to the Dragonfly Restaurant, of course. <laughs> but um, so we. Um, we really wanted to be there, and then when the opportunity again this year, and Festival Hall was really happy with us and really wanted it again. So, uh, and we want to be there. It's an historic event, and again, Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title at Festival Hall. I can't. You can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write it any better. 
like it's a historical moment. So we, we hope people see that. And let's put it in perspective. Back in the day when Festival Hall was running every week, Australians weren't getting the title shots then. No, definitely not. They were they were the you know the guys on the sidelines, and now we're here in the main events and in the in the high high tier matches. So it's important, and that's something I think Farley has really ingrained from the start, especially with his guys from the dojo. And what's the What's the future plans? Is it running maybe twice a year? Hopefully, fingers crossed for fans like us. If, you know, obviously, hopefully all the fans come out and support uh, this tour. Is it moving on to maybe later in the year or next year, three, four, five yeah. cities like you guys normally do in Japan, like a proper tour? The ultimate goal is tours, yeah. If we have uh, one tour a month, you know, maybe five to ten shows a, a month that's the ultimate goal and even possibly TV so if we uh, show the support that we need if the fans turn up and show their support then of course New Japan's going to look at coming back more so our biggest goal is to create, turn the territory into a big enough uh, name that we can uh, compare Australia to to Mexico and America and England and Japan, so that's our goal. And the key is going to be getting the casual wrestling fan, the one that maybe doesn't even know that Australian wrestling exists. Um, maybe they've only ever watched WWE. How do we educate that fan and get them to come and watch New Japan, which in a lot of people's eyes is the best wrestling on the planet? I think it's up to the uh, what's the word I'm looking for standard fan the the regular fan to go out and tell their friends you've got to come to this show bring your friend yeah exactly bring your kid to work day like you should bring a friend along and be like hey you've got to check this out because this isn't uh, this isn't going to be a regular show this is the production values on this show are huge Um, like we're blown away at the production we saw a virtual reality video of what we were getting the other day and we're blown away by it so um, it's really important I think you bring a friend along buy them a ticket there's going to be some new tickets coming out uh, in the next week or so that are just as cheap I hate using that word because cheap's on the road but just as well priced affordable as a local wrestling show you'll be paying the same money at a local wrestling show to see New Japan and that's you know that's insane and this is something and I've wanted to put it up uh personally on the New Japan page but I'm sure I'll probably get fired if I did but what I wanted to say was uh, you could spend $800 on a ticket to Tokyo $400 for a room at the Tokyo Dome Hotel I'm doing this yeah <laughs> I did it last uh, $200 on a ticket so close to 1000 to $1200 when you can spend 35 to $40 to see a show here don't tell my missus yeah <laughs> but you get my point like here's the opportunity to see the exact same thing in front of you, in Melbourne, in your hometown, with a hometown hero like Robbie Eagles. It's huge, and, and I really hope people recognise it. Now, you mentioned trying to get TV in the country. Like, I know you got Access TV in America, runs the uh, shorter versions of the shows. Is it, is it viable to, in Australia or New Zealand to run, like, a 30-minute, maybe a, an hour show you know, on a Foxtel or wherever the platform is, just so it can get some more casual viewers on it? I think so. Um, like, like just like America, we were never in America until we, uh, you know, we started showing on TV, and now it's everywhere. You know, uh, everybody knows about it now. 
we have to try and do things like that. We got to get on the local TV or or, or national, you know. And, and we want we want the fans from Australia to love this product. We don't want we don't want to put on a show so the rest of the world can watch it. We want to put it on for the local people. So. And the audience internationally for New Japan increase substantially upon formation of the Bullet Club which you were a founding member and a big part of Um, how does it feel to have been you know part of a group that basically caused an explosion in in popularity of New Japan Pro Wrestling Um, it's it's a great feeling because there's something you've worked on that's lasted for so long and it's pretty much become a, a cult type uh, culture thing, but um, yeah, I created I created that to the social media boom at the time. So when we all first got together, we all just started talking to each other about we gotta get ourselves out there. But how do we do that? And that's because New Japan wasn't even on TV or anywhere except for Japan. And I think back then they had that live stream, you stream or something. Yeah, yep. And nobody was getting that. But we recognized in order for us to get out there, we had to utilize this thing called Facebook and Twitter. So <laughs> at the time, it was still fairly new, but we we all decided, hey, the only way to get out there is to start advertising and, and putting ourselves out there together. So when we did everything together, we made sure it was out online, took photos together with the same shirts, and all of a sudden, it just blew up. It's because everybody saw something that was happening together. And, you know, I'd like to think uh, somehow or soon we want to try and do something like that over here. Um, we want to open Australia to the rest of the world. But we got to start here, you know. And, and bringing New Japan here, I think, is going to help the, the local talent and also, you know, get more fans to see the product. It's it's not a coincidence now that there's a Australian accent blaring through your TV when you watch New Japan World. Um, that's that's to slowly build the foundations of a possibility of that coming to Australia too. Um, it worked so well in the Asian market with um, is it Chiavello who calls in not your mate Shebeki, but Chiavello who calls in the, who calls like <laughs> not my mate <laughs> who, call, who calls in for the K1 and all the all the UFC and the MMA stuff throughout Asia. So um, you know it's it's Australian voices are starting to be heard. Um, and again, this is our chance to now prove that there is a market here, and then there is that chance of television. There is a chance of even bigger shows of the possibility of Rod Lavers and Margaret Courts and um, you know Homebush Bay, and the, I think apparently they're building a new hall in Brisbane as well. We know how much Brisbane fans get upset we never come to visit them, but if we have a venue that is good enough for a New Japan show, we will come. Now, with the, the Bullet Club shirt, obviously, everyone knows what it looks like. It's pop culture now. Like, I've ran into someone and said, oh, you're a wrestling fan. They had no idea what they were wearing. They, <laughs> it's that popular. Like the NWO shirt. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. What's the weirdest place you've actually seen a Bullet Club shirt? Um, I'd say I was, I was in Hawaii, and I saw somebody wearing a hat. And I went over, and I said, hey, kid, I like your hat. And he looked at me, and he looked at me funny. <laughs> And I was okay. <laughs> this kid doesn't know who I am. But, um, apparently, he likes the hat. So, 
But uh, going back to design itself, when we like like I said, when we got together, we we wanted to utilize uh, social media. But at the same time, we we're like. We are wrestlers, but how do we appeal to everybody else? And we decided to come up with a design that you can wear to a nightclub or go out anywhere with, without people going, oh, what a wrestling mark, you know? And, and that's why that design has gone viral, yeah, because you can wear it anywhere, like where it is fashion, not just a wrestling shirt. Yeah, for me, um, it was probably at Southern Cross Station here in Melbourne. I saw a guy wearing it, and I walked up to him and go, oh, too sweet, man. He goes, what? And I went, oh, man, what's going on? And this was this was six years ago, too. So, like, it was right at the start of Bullet Club. So even back then, you know, we, we saw fans just wearing the Bullet Club T-shirt because it was cool. And, and it's really nice to see the evolution of Bullet Club as well. And now, you know, we've got Australian members like myself and Robbie, um, you know, and it just shows it's a, a global thing. Like, there was a stage, I don't know if you're, I'm sure it was before I came along, but there was a stage where there was wrestlers turning up at shows wearing the Bullet Club T-shirt when obviously they weren't meant to. But that's how big it was that wrestlers were willing to risk anything just to be part of this club. And what does it mean, Gino, for a wrestler to, once the Bullet Club was established, be offered the opportunity to join? It's, it's to be fu- offered the shirt? <laughs> it's funny you say that. On my Facebook memory this morning, uh, it would have been about eight years ago, there's a photo of me at a burger restaurant throwing up the Too Sweet. So I, I knew of... Tox and, and Gallows and, and Machine Gun and all that and Devitt back then and it was a big deal. It was, it was amazing to see wrestling being cool again and that's something I think the Bullet Club did. So uh, someone, I won't say who, but they're sitting in this room, sounds like Smock Parley, but <laughs> um, didn't tell me I was joining the Bullet Club. He just, I thought uh, that night at MCW, I thought I thought, is he going to hit me? Like, I'm, I, was a bit, I was a bit unsure what was happening after our match. And when he threw me the T-shirt, I actually couldn't hide how emotional I got. It was, it was a big deal because it wasn't just a big deal for me. I mean, it's a huge deal for me. It was massive to think that I was, you know, uh, in Farley's eyes, seen as good enough to be part of that ball club. But it was a big deal for wrestling in this country. It was like a, a, a part of us going, this is real now. There were so many wrestlers in Australia saying, oh, they, they're just going to come and go like the rest do. And when that happened, I think people started going, oh, there's an opportunity here for, for all, all of us to sort of right. to join and be part of a, a really big company. And that's hats off to the work at Farley and Farley Dojo does. Like, it's, it's, it's massive. And I, I'm glad to see people finally recognising it too. Yeah, I was in the crowd that night, and it was... You did get very emotional. I did. It was huge. <laughs> you know, it shocked me. Like, I mean, I'm not the most liked, doesn't matter what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so for some reason, I, I just rub people the wrong way. But... Uh, I love you. We're close personal friends. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have the same jacket, by the way. I was just looking at your jacket. I've got the exact same one. Mine's a little bit smaller. <laughs> but um, I remember when... Um, yeah, I remember when that happened and I was just like, there was people standing up and clapping and I think I thought to myself, I think people get this now. I think people understand that we're really on a path of something big. And it was before we announced the Australian show as well. So there was so much more coming. And then, like, of course, I did Tokyo Dome after that. Now I've done, you know, Dontaku, Best of Super Juniors. I wasn't in Best of Super Juniors, but that's not to say... Just next year. Next year. Hey, I'm, I'm going to make a deal with New Japan. If I can drop 70 kilos, which is what I have to drop to get there... <laughs> In a year, I won on the best of Super Juniors. I think that's a good deal. 
Um, but um, yeah, so then now again to be on this show, the Melbourne and Sydney show, um, with the best in the Bullet Club, it's it's a huge moment for me. Yeah, I remember that night. You know, obviously happy that you joined yeah. as an Australian, but just driving home. It clicked in my head. That's a foundation of New Japan wanting to come into Australia. Spot That's on. How I took it. It took. Yep. Took that time driving home. Like, oh shit, hang on. Yeah. There could be a tour out of this. It, you know, it's not for no reason or a token, you know, moment in the ring for you guys. Yeah, exactly. Because I knew if I was going to try and uh, bring New Japan over here, I couldn't do it on my own. So Gino uh, has been the one that's always been keeping in touch with me and talking about, oh, we should do something for Australia and New Zealand. Being annoying, in other words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like so, we are to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I thought uh, the, this makes sense. If I can get them on, on board, then it'll be possible to try and bring a New Japan show. Yeah, and it happened. It, it was a lot of work uh, for both of us, but the thing is we've both trusted each other. It's something we agreed on very early. We said we're going to be honest and I've we've told each other to fuck off a few times because we know something like because both of us get excited and we come up with these ideas and then we have to come back to earth. So, and that's that's how a business relationship works well, in a friendship. Creative people are like that. Yeah, too. absolutely. You, the thing is, you get so excited because you think, oh, this is going to be easy, and then you really realise the work. But that first tour, um, you know. It's not as if we made millions. You get what I'm saying? We we made nothing out of it. We it was more about making uh, wrestling in this country and in New Zealand important. And we and we did that. We did that, knowing we may not make anything. Yeah, it's for the it betterment like the of the industry. Yeah. We had to do it so people can see it's possible. And New Japan is a great product. And you know to bring it here and get the local people, the wrestlers, to know that they can get to the same level. And like at the end of the day, like. Uh, I'm not exactly the most intelligent man in the world. Like I went to this, I went to a school in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. That was more of a prison than a school, and uh, not all of us went to a fancy private school like Tox we're Farley. From, we're from Werribee. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. So, you know, when I sat down and and Farley and I wrote out a list of everything we needed to do, I went, "How the hell am I going to organise visas?" And I was very lucky. There's uh, there's a couple of guys that are, are very. Uh, underrated in all of this um in joel bateman and sean hawkins they are very helpful in in helping me as part of the team and helping new japan so you know hats off to them as well as mcw and pwa have really um gino's reading a text message as we speak (laughs) yeah i think uh like like it's not just the wrestlers that we're looking at you know we're looking at the people who are working behind the scenes because i know we can't do this on our own so we got to get everybody involved and uh, guys like uh, Joel and Sean, they're doing a, a phenomenal job and it helps to bring our product and our organization to, uh, you know, get this show going. Yeah, it's something that people don't realize is behind the scenes people are working really hard to to make you look good, which is what we all rely on in our jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about Farley Dojo as well because... Um, it must have been an idea that you had a long time before it actually came to fruition. Yeah. Um, you know, going through... Uh, as a young lion in New Japan, I realised how hard the training was. But I was... I am the only foreigner who's ever done it. Done the Japanese-style way of training, 100%. But in doing that, I learned so much... 
of, of discipline and and ways of of you know surviving in the real in the real world that I wanted to show everybody else how it's done. So that's why I, while I was still training and stuff, I thought New Zealand could really uh, uh, benefit from this type of stuff. So New Zealand and Australia, we, in my mind, I thought if, if the local talent knew how to train like the Japanese guys do, they'll have a chance anywhere in the world because you have a lot of Americans and a lot of people from England and all over the world, they go to Japan to go and train. You know, even though most of them don't end up with New Japan, which is the top and the, the, the best training you can ever get, but they end up in other Japanese schools because even those schools are so good. But to, to put Fale Dojo in New Zealand and Australia opens that up. So if we, if we have our local talents training at the dojo or that type of training, what, what is going to happen? We're going to have our local talent uh, levels rise to where everybody else is. Now, selfishly, obviously, we need to bring up the Philippes. They've just finished their dojo class. How, no. Did they surprise you? or? Yeah, yeah surprised, very surprised. Because I, I, I've seen them come maybe three times to our tournaments. Yeah, yeah. They've, tried, they've tried out at every single one except yeah. the very first. Yeah, but, so, yeah, they've, they've tried, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were always on the fringes, but... The last one we did last year, they really impressed me, and and to be honest, I was I was just I was really impressed with uh, Tom, but his during the the, the tryout uh, we had our uh, our general manager Michael Craven present, and he was really impressed with. Uh, 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 Stevie, so we spoke to Michael Craven, thanks to Gino, and uh, he said that he Great kept saying to you, too. he kept saying to you, like, "There's two, yeah. give me both." Yeah, he knows, he knows. Uh, I had my eye on Tom because uh, obviously he was he was bigger, and and during the and he, they were both on, on the fringes during those tryouts, but Tom just kind of like spoke to me. Well. Not saying that Stevie did too, but so Stevie's not better, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's but, the yeah, consensus. Uh, the thing is, we with Fale Dojo, I only offer one spot, so at the time I couldn't afford to get two guys. But luckily, Michael Craven, the general manager, was there, and he just said, "You got to get both of them. You know, you can't just take one of the brothers. You got to get them both." And I was I was happy they both came because I didn't know. I knew they were going to struggle like everybody else, but the way they came there and just embraced the, the style and and never complained, and they were so competitive, man. I saw them pretty much they would argue with each other more than anybody else. You know, that's because they're Macedonian. They can't help it. <laughs> I've never seen two guys like fight each other but love each other so much. They fight each other and then all of a sudden you see them. I love you, bro. <laughs> I love each other. I was like, Good on them. What's going on here? But that's, look, and that's probably their competitive nature has got them to where they are. Like, they didn't stop. Even when we told them, oh, look, we don't think it's for you, they just came to the next one and the next one and the next one until we said, yeah, okay, this is a good idea. And that's the thing is, you know, when we first had the first couple of trials, we saw such large numbers. And then the numbers started going down, and we're like, are people forgetting what is on offer here? Like, a chance to be. Like, look at guys like Hanare, myself, Robbie Eagles, like, all through the Fale Dojo system and, you know, look where we are. So we're proof 
I don't know how much more proof you need. Well, the proof you need is to have a look at what those two guys looked like when they came back from far. Yeah, I know. Jacked. I swear they put on 15 kilos each and their arms were bigger than my head. Yeah. Um, How grueling is the training? Um, If you guys see my photo after I finished... um, You'll be surprised. Uh, I had abs. <laughs> you know, I wish I could put <laughs> this... T- <laughs> I wish I, I could put this... Uh, no, no. <laughs> we all have training to. into uh, a fitness video because uh, it makes so much money. <laughs> yeah, it's, and we'll, it's, it's something we've spoken about in the past. It's that, um, you know, people are now doing it just for fitness because it is so hard and so grueling. It's, it's sometimes why we get a bit annoyed when fans are like oh it's easy i could do that it's like come train with us and see how easy it is and now the thing is uh Fale dojo and the coaches from Fale dojo mark and tony have come and done seminars here so that same training is now being brought into the pwa dojo the mcw academy like they're starting to train the same way um same as perth epw perth is actually trained the same way for a long time because Davis Storm was uh, he went to LA Dojo, so he knows exactly what's going on. And same as Mikey Nichols, who's now back at New Japan. Like it's, it's a big deal. So it's a, it's a tough way, but it's the right way. What's a typical day in in the dojo? Yeah, I'd like to um, say the training is it's not not so much about the training; it's the discipline. You know, anybody can do the same training, but if it's, it's hard to do it at the same time repetitively for three months every day so pretty much in the morning they'll wake up in the morning and do the cleaning for about an hour at 8 a.m from 9 they start their warm-ups then they just if i'm happy that day they'll do a 300 squats if i'm not feeling good that day they're doing a thousand squats yeah <laughs> and let's be honest tome and stevie have probably had their mum do most of their cleaning yeah <laughs> probably yeah but look they're, they're both fit boys very fit boys but even they were saying it, it was a real a real hard task like a lot of work it's not they easy. Up their calories a lot while they're at farley yeah because the the top of the training and the, the the discipline they have to go through you have to eat uh you guys know about the caveman ugh and he's over there right now. It's, it's only his second week, and he's already lost his belly. Yeah, he's so thin all of a sudden. <laughs> it's going to be a body guy left of Lucci then. Yeah, I know. Lucci's a stick. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's a, it's a grueling process, but it's worth it at the end. There's goals at the end that you can achieve. I always tell the guys, hey, whatever difficulty you're going through right now, we all went through it. Mm. But you have to go through it to get to where you want to go. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody else would be doing it. Yeah, exactly. And going going back to the uh, the tour, what have you learnt mostly from the last one to this one? Obviously, mistakes might have been made, or you can, you know, learning, learning, learning. Yeah, mistakes is a bit. We're wrong, much. wrong choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's it's more. I think we learnt that we can't please everybody. Um, you know, it's something we know. It's like everyone last year was really disappointed Tanahashi didn't come. So, But he was injured. So we planned for Tanahashi to be there this tour. It was our first priority. As soon as we announced and Tanahashi... You realized Red Shoes was more important. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as we announced Tanahashi, the first comment was, where's Chris Jericho? It's like... Great. So if we announce Chris Jericho, you're going to ask for Moxley. And if you ask Moxley, you're going to ask for bloody Kevin Kelly. Like, I mean. I can tell you right now that wrestling fans cannot be pleased. 
Yes, we've dis- we've discovered that the hard way, but that's okay. It's it is what it is. It's it's not a uh, an easy process, but it is a slow build, and we will get there. You're simp- sipping a beer. That's, that's right. <laughs> You've had a few. Um, obviously, having Tanahashi come this time, it's great for all of us. Um, we want to talk about Liger. Obviously, I'm happy as a wrestling fan. Yeah, I am. I'm not one of those other ones. Yeah, the other ones. Yeah. The kind of is. You want to see our private message? <laughs> um, we spoke to Mr. Craven. If this tour is a gigantic success there's an, there could be another tour later this year that he's going to work really hard to get Liger to Australia before he retires are those talks happening or is that a possibility if this, the fans come out and support this one well like I said New Japan is listening to the fans and a lot of complaining that's happening so if, there's, if people don't support this tour then their possibility may disappear yeah, and it's up to, like, people don't realise companies will reach out to Australia, but as fans, it's it's in our interest to support these tours. Absolutely. Like, to support WWE when they do a big super showdown, to support New Japan when they're running live TV from Festival Hall, or else we'll go back to being forgotten. Here's a very, just a, maybe a little bit of a spider web, a bit of investigations that I've done on the side. Do you think it's a fucking coincidence that there was a big mcg show only a year after new japan started running shows here if you want wrestling in this country to boom doesn't matter what you support or what you watch supporting things like starting grassroots with your local and then new japan in the big and all the other big ones you start supporting them they start fighting for your viewership for your ticket sales you want the best you have to pay for it that's just that's just honest bottom to god truth. But there is an affordable way to watch all of course. Of those shows. But it's the same. Like I'm not saying you have to spend a thousand dollars. I'm saying if you bought yourself the cheapest ticket to each show, the fact you're just coming to the show, if New Japan pulls a, a, a large number, which they will and they have, all of a sudden other companies start going, well, there's a market in Australia and they come and then New Japan goes, well, I want more and then they come back and then local shows build up and then all of a sudden we've got the same as England and Japan where you're having big names on local shows and you're seeing them for $10. And you had a big... I mean, we've had a local company run a thousand people show. We've had MCW run five shows in a month. Yep. Uh, we've had WWE run a huge show. We've had M- we've had New Japan run massive shows. Like everyone's after the Australian market at the moment, but we have to keep supporting it. Absolutely. I'll give you. I'll give you a good example. Um, everyone's like, "Oh, I wish we were more like the UK scene." They get cool guys like Trent Seven and all that stuff. Yeah. So we've got that. But but no. But at the end of the day. Trent Seven and Tyler Bate and all those guys who are now, you know, stars in their own right were just local wrestlers. Like, I this, see Slex over Trent Seven every day of the week. It, well, look, it's, I agree. But the point is, <laughs> my point is, like, this is where locals start to become superstars. Your guy, your guy that you love now, you might watch, you know, Nick Berry and Mitch Waterman, and you might go, they are my favourite guys. Those guys have the opportunity to one day be the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions if you let them. If you always look at them as local guys, then I tell you now, you're never gonna, they're never going to have success. Now, 
on the the back of that big MCW show, we we had more fun at the MCW show the night before, and you know that was the thirty dollar ticket compared to ridiculous. Both, both of those MCW, the MCW and the Wrestle Rock show were better than the WWE show, and the New Japan show is what I'm looking forward to far more than. As a person who's a fan of work rate. A lot of people said that the MCW show the night before the big MCG show was better than the MCG show. Like the, the, it was. The atmosphere in the Thornbury Theatre was better than the atmosphere we had. Well, it's the hottest crowd I've ever been at for any live performance. And I'm talking real sport, like football. Yep. I'm talking live theatre. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to edit that. live theatre. <laughs> I'm talking wrestling yep. performances. That, that was the hottest crowd I've been in front of. Yeah, uh, and again... It wasn't that uh, Robbie Eagles match. Mm, uh, that yeah, was, it was the Robbie Eagles-Geno match. Oh, that, oh, that was your match. That, that was the biggest pop I've ever had. Thanks, Farley. <laughs> uh, We've covered that with Geno before. He's left the table, so... Busy man. <laughs> now, obviously, while you're here, you've been busy doing media and stuff. Has Geno been showing you a good time at nightlife in Melbourne? Oh, yeah. I love, I love Melbourne, man. There's so, so many places to uh, hang out and just chill. And uh, here in South Bank, is it? Um, found a place there where you can sit and have a cigar and smoke and watch people walk past, you know. So <laughs> I like it here. <laughs> hey, are you here the whole time leading up to the. Actually, I just uh, got in here from Sydney yesterday and I'm heading back to New Zealand tomorrow. Okay. And I'll be back just before the show. Just before the show. And obviously, you'll be. Flat out, then busy. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Putting the show social together. media, social media uh, posting. And, uh. <laughs> now, um, some of the media that you, we've done, that you've done while you've been here, how do some of those mainstream media organisations and the way they treat wrestling? How do you uh, deal with it when it's, sometimes this might be a little bit more disrespectful to the business? Slap in the ear. Absolutely. Yeah. Open hand, yeah. Um, look, it's always going to be the case because, you know, people see it for what they think it is and they've never had to do a day of training in a dojo in their life or have ever had to land on top of their head just to, you know, please other people. So, really, it is it is hard, And but uh, we also know that that's one of our biggest keys to getting, uh, you know, to that mainstream because mainstream media means a lot to us because at the end of the day we're going to end up with bigger crowds and more people coming if we can get them on board yeah so it's like if you can convince five percent of that crowd to check it out that's more important than 100 percent of the wrestling crowd absolutely i gotta tell you that um new japan style it's you go in there thinking oh this is all fake but you leave believing it's real because the, the difference between the training with the japanese style is you got real fighters wrestling, not wrestlers trying to be fighters. Now, before we wrap it up, um, one last parting shot to the fans that are on the fence of buying Parting tickets. shot? <laughs> Sales pitch. Sales pitch. Elevator pitch. I think they need to understand that this we are at the base level, the foundation of building something huge in Australia and New Zealand. 
And by buying a ticket, they're not just supporting, they're not only going to get a great, an amazing show, great production values, a full New Japan show with the ring, with red shoes, with a pay-per-view. It is a live pay-per-view. With the turnbuckle pads. With the turnbuckle pads that everyone was very up. With the Tanahashi Zero Carters, the Jay Whites, the, you know, the Gatos, the whole lot. The Genos. The Genos, more importantly. But um, no, <laughs> to, you know, you're not only going to get all that, but you're also starting the wheels turning for a real chance of New Japan coming to Australia more often and having all those guys, all the LIJs and Suzuki Goons and Bullet Clubs and Chaos and New Japan and Free Agents, all those guys, you want to, you want Moxley and Jericho here. If that's what you really want, you support this show and you will get it. It will eventually happen. Big things like that will happen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I want to thank uh, Joel and Hawko. Hawko and obviously Gino and and yourself, Harley, for the time. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your stay and make sure everyone goes out and buys a ticket. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Welcome back to On the Turnbuckle for a rarity, a third segment. Music of Eric Bischoff bringing us back. Yeah, so obviously we've got the... He'll be at the Thornbury Theatre. I believe he's on the run sheet later on, but obviously Eric Bischoff, who said said that On the Turnbuckle was probably the third or fourth best... Pod, wrestling podcast in the world so yep and i believe everything that comes out of his mouth like he also said he would like to catch up with a beer for tony for his birthday so hopefully we'll just tag along with tony for that well i'm trying to i've been trying to make that happen all week it's uh, not looking promising at the moment <laughs> let's face it i don't want to have a beer with tony for his birthday either <laughs> <laughs> so g1 participants announced yeah so it's a it's big it's big, uh, you know, Moxley come out, he did the, you know, demanding almost to be in there, so get excited for that. Uh, hopefully uh, his body can hold up to that. A bit disappointed he's not in the same block as Will Ospreay. Yeah, I think you got to leave some matches on the table for, you know, it's a long year, you know, and hopefully he can do a little bit more before AEW fully kick off, and maybe, you know, they might pull that back a little bit. Um but yeah, he's obviously yeah. Tony loves to talk about Moxley, but he's ticking off wrestling bucket lists as he as he goes along. So, I uh, Will Ospreay is the first person in history to be in. Now I'm going to get this wrong, so you're going to you're going to read out the three tournaments: it's the G1, <laughs> the G1, best of the Super Juniors, so best of the Super Juniors, and Super the... Super J Cup. Yes. Yeah. So the first person you got me nervous then <laughs> ever to be in all three of those in the same year. Yeah. So that that's yeah testament to how good his year has been, and you know probably the last two or three years, you know him just growing naturally into that um, you know top foreigner at the minute in uh, New Japan. So yeah, you know there's some really good matchups he's gonna he's gonna have in that G1. Well, he's moved to Japan as of today, so. And um, that's it's nice sh- and close to Australia. Yes, short flight to Australia, which is, you know, selfishly for us, is a good thing. Well, he said that was part of the reason. Yep. Well, you know, I don't doubt the man. So, yeah, any time we can have him back in the on our shores in the independent shows or, you know, the big New Japan show coming up. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. But the G1, it, it is stacked. Um, you know, a little bit interesting how that what they're going to do with Suzuki not being named. He did a throw management under the bus, telling him that they're scared of what he can do. But that may just tie into us finally getting the Suzuki and Liger match. 
Maybe that's why they keep and him apparently alive. what it takes to get into the G1 is to drink butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I... Yeah, that was a big glass that Farley was was drinking. But hey, but hey, if that's preparation for the G one, yeah, it's not his first G one either. So he know. knows what it takes. Yeah, <laughs> glasses of butter, washed down with a pint of beer. Yeah, or a few pints of beer. Um, PWA all eyes on Troy last week on Ovo. Yeah. From, um, did you watch that? I ha- I have not watched it yet. I've got it. I I've paid for you it. Told me you were hundred and ten percent watching it. You know me. My one hundred and ten percent by this stage is about thirty. Yeah. Well, I've paid for them, so they've they've got my money. Yeah. Well, I hope you've uh, hope you watched it before we talk to one of the main eventers next week in Shazam McKenzie. But, definitely will. Uh, look, I thought it was a really good show. A lot of fun. Really good matches. Uh, if they keep doing Friday night shows. I'll be very, very happy, man, because there's nothing better than sitting on the couch after work, can of beer, and the Aussie wrestling's on. Yeah, you can't. It's actually so so easy and, you know, and it's affordable too. So, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, obviously, PWA is not accessible for us to get to the venue every every month. So, yeah, anywhere around Australia, make sure you tune in. And they're you know. almost – they're having – Probably, I think, the best shows at the moment that I'm seeing in Australia. Um, so it, it pains me as a Melbourneian to say that, but <laughs> it is Their coffee is. shit. Their coffee is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Which is more important. Yeah. Um, but the girls had a really good match in the main event, and Jess Troy's a star, and Shazza helped, you know, sh- showcase her in the main event, and I thought... Those two girls, especially Shazza was coming off a flight, a 17-hour flight, I think. Yeah. Um, hadn't been back in the country 24 hours and she's main eventing. Yeah, and she'd had a busy couple of months. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you know, by I guess about 33 matches she would have uh, she would have had while she was away. But, yeah. About 28 promotions. <laughs> yeah, roughly, give or take a few. So, yeah, I, I have seen the finishing sequence in uh, GIF form or GIF, GIF or GIF. I'm not helping you out. Uh, well, yeah, it's that's, a GIF. That's not helping me out. It's a gift, is it? It's a gift. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy how she's a little bit aggressive when she gave uh, Troy the belt, and a little bit of arrogance from her during the match, which I enjoyed as well. Yeah. I thought um, I'd like. I think the world's ready for another Shazza McKenzie heel run. Oh well. WA. She's going to the UK. I know the UK love the Australian wrestlers, but you could play off that sporting hatred and it could work. Let's stay in Sydney and... Oh, please not. Talk about Matty Warburg. Yes, yes. Well, obviously, we got to see him a few weeks ago for MCW and he's going to be back for the ballroom brawl. And, uh, you know, he was a bit quiet there for a while after his big title match against... Ugg, uh, a Turns few months out he ago. Was on a, uh, stranded on an island with some celebrities. So he's going to be on Survivor. Yeah, very, very interesting. He, uh, I think his character or, you know, persona would really work. He's a teacher? I, that, <laughs> that was the biggest surprise for me. I, uh, I don't you know. Is he just a wrestler? Is he just working that? I don't. Well, I thought he was still a college student. Yeah, he does look very young. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so I'm interested. I haven't watched Survivor in years, but I'm definitely going to watch. Uh, this will be the first time I've watched it. Yeah, uh, I think back in the day it was Old Man Rupert. <laughs> Everyone would remember. Uh, he looked uh, like Mick Foley. I don't. I, I remember him. Yeah, the tie dye. But he's done it like six times. Yeah, well, because he was so such a fan. Fr- they brought him. They brought the. Um, hey, bring your favourites back, just so they could make him win. Because he didn't win that first yeah, one he like was on. People who hadn't won that were popular. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they brought that just so they could give him a million dollars. If he'd lost, they were just going to have like people called Rupert who haven't won. And it would yeah. have been him on the island by himself. <laughs> and that still would have raided. AEW sold out. Sold out in 15 minutes. Congratulations. I guess you can put that on the, you know, the notice board in your offices. Again, another sellout. But... Are they leaving a lot of money on the table? You know, because how many people were in the queue? 55,000? 60,000? It could have been more. Well, there some... a few bots in that 60,000. Yeah, of course. And um, But I haven't, I haven't looked at the secondary sites. Uh, a few Look, of those tickets will be going pretty you, expensive. Like, it's, it's the age-old argument. Uh, are they leaving money on the table? Should they be running a bigger stadium versus... Having that buzz around getting a ticket, uh, what's more important? Well, they, at the, at the minute they're the hardest ticket to come by, and that's a good thing. That's a positive, you know, on social media and stuff like that, or in wrestling fans feel. But it's a four thousand seat stadium. Yeah, obviously. So they don't, you know, I think it creates really good buzz. Obviously, the well, the think- other promotion over there, they, you know, they're, they're struggling to sell tickets at the minute um, to their pay per view coming up. I think 4,000 seems way too small for AEW. Off the success of Double or Nothing, you think at least just another... I think it's important to keep the buzz and have the the show selling out because it creates a really good story. I also think maybe 8,000 might be a better number. Yeah. But, I mean, they know better than what I do, what they want to do, what they've got planned. So good luck to them. Uh, they've got their other pay-per-view coming up, or yeah, it's for, free everywhere except for here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, the view promotional, we're giving it to you for free. Not to uh, us. No, unless you're in Australia. But and you got to pay $14. $14. $14. I used fight credits. Yeah, so it's $10 with fight credits. Yeah. It's actually not too bad. And you know the wrestling's going to be good, so... Yeah. Well, we, I, I suspect it will be of a high quality. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, $10 or $14 if you want to dip in the... Moxley year. versus uh, Janela? Yeah. I, that's, I think I that's Then how much wrestling it. will be in that match? <laughs> Moxley's been on a tear lately on the on the indies, what he's doing. He's having a lot of fun at the minute. So that I think that match could uh, almost steal the night. And one of our favourites and former guests, Avery, had some big news on the weekend. Yes, yeah, she did. She was... Uh, She's an entrant into the uh, Stardom Five Star Grand Prix, so you know there's 18 girls in in that later on in the year. So very exciting for Avery. You know she did have a little setback of the going she, to the UK. She broke her hip. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Happened a little. To my sick. nan once. You... <laughs> I'm not laughing at your nan being injured. My Just... nan's dead. It's okay. Um, <laughs> moving along. <laughs> No, but uh, Avery really deserves it. She's had a cracking 12 months. Everyone is seeing the list of names and they're like, who's Avery? You'll know soon. Yes, definitely. And I think that it's really good for Australian wrestling. 100%. Yeah, so you got Chazza's embarking on UK. How's the bin chicken going to go on the clean streets of Japan? (sighs) 
I don't know. It's yeah. a lot of rubbish for her to. Uh, no, to no, definitely not. And Eric Bischoff is in Australia this weekend. Yeah, so was it Saturday night? He's in Sydney. I don't know. I, I should look that up. You should have looked that up. Is, is Brisbane, Sydney, in Melbourne? It is. Yeah. He's here on Sunday. He's in Melbourne on Sunday. Yep. And I'm. Uh, <laughs> He's in Sydney on Saturday. No, Friday. Friday. Sydney Friday. And he's in Brisbane on Saturday, in Melbourne Sunday. So tickets are still available. I'm not sure how many. Um, but you can get them through Destroy All Lines. And you can listen to our episode with Eric Bischoff back in our archives. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, the um, the Pritchard one was really good. It was a fun night. Uh, you know, a lot of things you can't say on the podcast. So I'm expecting... Same sort of night, you know, just have fun with Eric Bischoff and maybe have a sneaky beer or two with him. Well, we've covered off on this. I don't yeah. think Tony Tony seems to think it's going to happen, but he's an alternate optimist, so good on him. Now, you'll be looking forward to WWE Stomping Ground with its amazing lineup coming up. What is that? I don't even know what it is. is it's that a new pay per view. A new pay per view. Yes. I haven't heard much about this. Has this been on Twitter much? Probably. I haven't heard much about it. Uh, so no. that's this weekend. Um, is that this really this weekend? It's this weekend. Well, that's crazy. What's the What's the big match? They're putting you on Baron the... Corbin versus Seth versus Seth Rollins. Oh, that's all right. Like, don't I see that every second Monday on Raw? Um, <laughs> and I think that we've got Kofi versus Dolph. Well, actually, that, that I'd go back. That and should watch be a that. good match. Yeah, I think. What I've been doing lately. Sammy and Kevin. Interesting. Are wrestling against the New Day. Okay. So that, that that's going to be fun as well. I think what I've been doing with WWE pay-per-views lately is going back after the fact and just watching. Well, they happen to be drawn on Monday during the day, so. Yeah, but normally I rush home to, to watch them. Now I just sort of wait and, you know, watch two or three matches from them. And obviously... Uh, I have no idea what this pay-per-view is. So those are, are they good? selling tickets, really? Sorry? They're selling tickets? Selling a few. Oh, great. Not uh, a great deal, I don't think. Yeah, well... Tony's trying to text me. This is bullshit. Um, while we're on air. Yeah, I know. He knows we're on he air. He knows we're on the air. The red light's outside. Uh, well, tall. Yeah. Anyway, upcoming shows. This is going to be a terrible, terrible... Well, actually, you, you've done it. What? You've done no, the run sheet. No, the you run you read your... Oh, okay. EPW on Friday night have their fourth training school showcase called Strength by, Strength in Numbers. And they've been really well received as well, the, the training school shows. $10 a ticket, I think, so make your way down there. It's a bit far for me, but if you're in Perth, <laughs> definitely. Newey Pro present Better Hoose and Gardens. And I think the Lover Brats are going to be on the card. Really? So they had an interesting weekend. How lucky well. are you to, in Newcastle to have Lockie Hendricks? Definitely with Mitch and Nick. Make worth, sure you go and see those guys. Ticket alone, yeah. would Tony would fly up for that. Probably is. On Saturday, June twenty second, we've got PWA. Sorry, PCW Ignition at Furniture Gully. Uh, Suplex Pro Wrestling have their first anniversary show in Cessnock, New South Wales. And QW, QWA in Townsville have former WWE wrestler 
and Kai and Ty member, Dick to Go. Really? Yes. Yeah, well, Dick to Go. Dick to Go. Wow. And make me want to go. Cut off your pee-pee. <laughs> if you've got an idea for a podcast, contact us on our socials or my podcast house if you want to talk to Tony and decipher his old person yep. typing. And he'll definitely do your podcast over ours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you probably won't get picked on as much. <laughs> uh, next week, got a big guest. A really big guest. Excited uh, for this one? I am. I'm excited for all of our guests. Yeah. But we've got Shazam McKenzie next week. Yeah, hopefully she's over a jet lag by the time we get to speak to her. And over that uh, vicious knock to the face that she seemed to have yeah. uh, copped on her social media as a training out last night. Decent, decent bruise or bubble? What would you, what would it you call that? It was a lump. Yeah, lump. It there. was like, you know, in the cartoons when someone gets hit with a mallet? <laughs> it was like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um so, yeah, that was a welcome back to the Academy for Shazza, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that would have knocked the jet lag out. So. Yeah, clean the cobwebs. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, and thanks for getting our Facebook to a 1,000 likes. We really appreciate it. Catch you next week.